Welcome back, everybody. I've been in home quarantine over this past week due to contracting COVID despite being vaccinated. So I realized it would have been a shame if I had gone the whole week without trying to post something. So I want to talk about this week's Parsha and, again, reviewing Rabbi Sachs' book, Judaism's Life-Changing Ideas. This week's Parsha is Kitetse, and it's entitled Social Capital and Fallen Donkeys. And it's particularly appropriate for me, considering I'm alone here while my family's up in Boston and hopefully we'll be out of quarantine in a couple of days. But Rabbi Sachs starts the essay off sharing a story when he was uh, invited to go to the Catskills for a weekend and his driver had told him a story that he once pulled over the side of the road to help a man who had a flat tire who was wearing a kippah. So the driver helped him and then once everything was addressed, he wished him a good Shabbos. The man thanked him and took his yarmulke off and put it in his pocket. And um, the, the driver was a bit puzzled by that. And the man who had been helped explained, oh, I'm not Jewish. It's just that I know if I wear one of these things, someone Jewish will stop and help me. So Rabbi Sachs brings up this story because in this week's Parsha, there's a line, Deuteronomy 22 Verse 4, do not see your kinsman's donkey or his ox fallen on the road and ignore it. Help him lift it up. So this is just one among many commands throughout the Parsha. But what it's signifying is it's trying to demonstrate what a covenantal society is supposed to look like, where people are good neighbors, they're willing to help out strangers in distress. And when you see someone to help, who needs help, you don't just walk by. Now, the sages debated the logic behind this command. Some say that it's motivated by concern for the welfare of the animal involved because there is a, um, a commandment to prevent suffering to animals. Others such as Mamandi's held that it has to do with the welfare of the animal's owner who would be distressed to see his animal at risk. So the key worry here is on the road because the roadside was an ancient place of danger. So the sages discussed the precise relationship between this command about helping lift up your, your ox or donkey that's fallen on the road, with a similar command in Exodus 23, verse 5, where it says, if you see your enemy's donkey falling under its load, do not pass by, help him load it. And they say that given a choice between helping your friend's donkey and helping your enemy's donkey, you should help your enemy's donkey. And this is the ethic of help your, help your enemy, which is a principle that works unlike the principle of love your enemy, which seems to never work and leads to a long history of hate. Milani says that if you, if, you, if you find someone in distress, what you would do for yourself in a similar situation is what you want to do for someone else. And you should really go beyond the limit of the law to, to do, go beyond the bare minimum to help someone in need. Now, this ancient idea has a modern description. 
and it's what sociologists call today social capital. Wealth has nothing to do with money and everything to do with the level of trust in a society. So when you know you're surrounded by people who have your welfare at heart, who are going to return your lost property, who are going to follow rules, who are going to uh, keep an eye on your, on your house and, and call the police if they see something untoward happening, they're going to look out for the well-being of your kids, essentially being a good neighbor. That's an essential component of a good society. And this is really described most prominently by the Harvard sociologist Robert Putnam, who uh, in his article Bowling Alone looked at the number of people going bowling and how people who have bowled in leagues now are at record lows and now people are bowling alone. And it epitomizes the individual in contemporary society and its corollary loneliness. But uh, there was a, a study done 10 years after Robert Putnam's uh, uh, article came out called American Grace. And it actually found that social capital is alive and well in the United States, but in specific locations. And that's actually religious communities. Places of worship still are effective in bringing people together in shared belonging and mutual responsibility. And uh, research in 2004 and 2006 showed that frequent church or synagogue goers are more likely to give money to charity, regardless of whether it's secular or religious charity. They're more likely to do volunteer work, give money to a homeless person, donate blood, help a neighbor with housework, spend time with someone who's depressed, or help someone find a job. So religious Americans are more likely than secular ones to give their time money to others and not only within their own community. And you find actually regular attendance at a house of worship is one of the best predictors of altruism and empathy, more than education, age, or income, gender, or race. Because religion creates community, and community creates altruism, which leads us to turn away from ourselves and toward the common good. Robert Putnam speculates that even if you had an atheist who went regularly to church, maybe because of a spouse, they'd be more likely to volunteer in a soup kitchen than a believer who prays alone. It's not necessarily about the religious value per se, it's about being in the presence of a shared community. And that's an ongoing tutorial in citizenship and good, neighbor, good neighborliness. So, Jonathan Sachs goes on to talk about how religiosity itself can get in the way of doing good. And he describes one of the cruelest social experiments performed, which was the Good Samaritan test done in the early 70s by two Princeton social psychologists. Now there's a well-known parable about how a priest and a Levite failed to stop and help a traveler by the roadside who had been attacked and robbed while a Samaritan did so. And this is where we get the, the concept of the Good Samaritan. So wanting to find out the reality behind the story, these psychologists recruited students from Princeton Theological Seminary and told them to prepare a talk about being a minister. Half were given no further instructions. The other half were told to make this talk about the Good Samaritan parable. And they were told to give the talk at a nearby building where an audience was waiting. Some were told they were late. 
Others were told that they left now, they'd be there on time, and others were, were instructed there was no need to hurry. Now, unbeknownst to these students, researchers had positioned directly in the student's route an actor who was playing the victim, slumped in a doorway, moaning and coughing, just as in the situation of the Good Samaritan parable. The results of this study showed that whether you prepare to talk on the Good Samaritan or not, it had no influence on whether you actually stopped to help the victim. What actually made the difference was whether the student had been told he was late or that there was no hurry. The, the students who were not in a rush took the time to help the person in need, and those who were late just went on with their life and, and dismissed the, the, uh, the victim. And the point of this is not to suggest that people fail to practice what they preach. They concluded that the Good Samaritan parable should not be taken to suggest Samaritans are better human beings than the priests or Levites, but rather it all depends on time and conflicting duties. The rush students may have wanted to help, but they didn't want to keep their crowd waiting, and they may have felt that their duty to others exceeded their duty to this one person. But the experiment does help us understand the precise phrasing of the command in our, in our Parsha, which again, if you go back to it, do not see your kinsman's donkey or his ox fall on the road and ignore it. Essentially, it's telling us to slow down when you see someone in need. Whatever time pressures there are, just don't walk by. So this is really impacting me because if we can all go back and think about times when we needed help, when we either needed help ourselves or when we gave help to a friend or stranger, these are probably times that we can recall with warmth. And that's the life-changing idea. Never be in too much of a rush to stop and come to the aid of someone in need of help. Rarely, if ever, will you better invest your time. It may take a moment, but it affects may last a lifetime. As William Wordsworth put it, the best portion of a good man's life, his little, nameless, unremembered acts of kindness and of love. And I'm going to relate this to just what I've been thinking about over the course of this week, sitting at home, my mini sabbatical, where I'm trying to figure out how to occupy my time. And certainly limited opportunity for me to help others, but the number of people who have reached out to me. In fact, I was awoken this morning to a member of my synagogue who had um, unannounced brought over a meal for me for, for Shabbat, which is really, really thoughtful of them. And just different people who have, who have called and inquired on how I was doing. And you realize these small little moments which uh, are um, something of small moments that you may easily pass by, but they leave an impression on people. So uh, I haven't really required much sitting here in quarantine, but I'm sure there are many people out there who, who need much more. And as we think about this week's Parsha, about thinking about caring for the animals of others, even the animals of our enemies, think how much more important it is to care about 
our neighbors and our friends and the people in our community who need something, whether it's obvious or not. And it was a, it's a good exercise for me to be on the other end as a receiver who oftentimes prides myself on my independence to think about that there's lots of opportunities when I am able to get out and about to help other people. And at that time is time well spent and accumulation of behavior like that is a life well lived. So with that, I hope everyone has a great Shabbos.